Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Damn. So, no. Okay. I can't be excited about a football team after week one, after knowing the history, especially of this group, the recent history of this group. But with that being said, that was a pretty damn impressive performance. Were you excited last year when they were 5-0 or no? No. No. Of course not. Now, if they go 6-0, and will you be excited? No. So they have to go, what, 10-0 and for you to be excited? They have to go to the Super Bowl for me oh, to be excited, oh, Brian. Okay. That's what they have to do. All right, cool. Because that's the only thing I All haven't right. seen them do. All right. So now we know yep. what the threshold is. Cool. I, I saw this team go 6-0, and actually 7-0 and one year and not make the playoffs, I believe, when they lost on the last game of the season to the Arizona Cardinals. Nathan Poole from Josh McCown, who was that force-out rule. He didn't even really come in bounds before they got rid of that force-out rule mm-hmm. in Week 17, and the Packers won a division. I think it was the year that Brett Favre's father passed away, and they came back and won the division. So I've seen them have unbelievable starts okay. and, then, and then fall apart. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the history of the team. There's a lot that has to happen for me personally to be excited, but that place was loud last night. That was a great night for the Minnesota Vikings. You had the Randy Moss Ring of Honor ceremony. You had Dalvin Cook making a splash debut in the night that Adrian Peterson comes back and he breaks Adrian Peterson's uh, rookie rushing record first game as a Minnesota Viking in the league. He breaks that record. And Sam Bradford could have played last night. Now, I got to look back at his rookie year when he won Offensive Rookie of the Year with the Rams. But he could have played. The best game he's played in his life last mm-hmm. night on Monday Night Football. He was on fire. Hot. Africa hot. He was throwing some babies in there, man. I mean, he he, he was just on point. Leading receivers. They didn't have to break stride or anything. Stephon Diggs, that first touchdown was incredible. Right there on the money. He threw a missile to him. And Stephon Diggs was able to gather that in and get both feet in for the touchdown. Of course, they had to take a while to look at it, but clearly a touchdown. So I agree, Bradford. That's the best I've seen him play uh, since his days at Oklahoma. Uh, and and he, he was tremendous. And if he can continue that, and if they can continue to block for him, keep him upright, they they should have a good year. One game, we know doesn't make a season, but that's a great start right out of the gate for the Minnesota Vikings. And there was a little bit more up-tempo to the ball game, and Dalvin Cook came as advertised. He he did the same thing four years there at uh, or three years there at Florida State, a guy who's a three-down back. Uh, and, and so you can throw the rock to him, you can hand it off to him, he can get outside on the edge. But it's one game, but it's a great start for the Vikings. Yeah, there's some things that I saw from them last night that I just didn't know that they were capable Mm -hmm. of. And that was consistently good offense, both through the air and on the ground. And also big plays. And they got the ball down the field. I mean, how many plays? Yeah, how many times? And and it wasn't just that late run by Dalvin Cook in the fourth quarter to really seal the game and allow them to take a knee. We're talking about down the field to Adam Thielen a couple of times. And, And this guy to come back 
after last year where you thought that maybe it was a fluke with the Diggs injury and he was the only option that they had and that's why he had the season that he did. And to come back last night and to start off the season that impressively was something to take note of. And this defense you knew was going to be good. It's just a matter of, as you said, giving Sam Bradford time. There's five new offensive linemen for the Minnesota Vikings, a group that did not play one preseason snap together. And last night, they were able to come together and play pretty well. Just a matter of when they run into a real defense, what will happen then. But I think that for at least week one, this was a pretty good start. Yeah, the Saints are a defense that's in in progress. They've got a lot of new faces on that side of the ball. Klein comes over from Carolina Panthers. He's an excellent linebacker out of Iowa State. Uh, unfortunately for him, he's playing behind Luke Keekley. Got some run because Keekley had some concussion injuries, but you got that guy, uh, Anzalone, a rookie out of Florida, at another uh, very athletic linebacker, and he's going to be a damn good player in this league if he can stay healthy. So they've got a lot of new pieces in the secondary, the linebacking core, and, and so that will be a work in progress. Uh, but the, the Saints, uh, their offense, they couldn't get going until late when Drew Brees finally got a touchdown, but they, they, they would move the ball and then they would hurt the themselves with penalties now a couple penalties on the defense Anzalone comes to mind the hit he put on Dalvin Cook that was ridiculous I mean that's a bang bang play you gotta let that go that's just damn football and Dalvin Cook if he's not looking down he was got a defensive player at that point so I thought that one was uh was was a terrible call there's another one on the Saints they called that I didn't well didn't was, agree with. I, I thought the that one the second one you're talking about was I, I guess it's the rule but you know when you went low on on Breeze or no oh. low on on Bradford? What which one was? It was low on, on uh, Breeze. It was low on Breeze, wasn't well, it? But that's the rule, and, yeah. and I, I didn't think he was that. I thought his helmet hit Breeze at the. Well, just he tackled him. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, but, but you, you, you can't know, do that. You now. can't do that. But might as well put a red jersey on these quarterbacks, please, and, and don't hit them. Don't even breathe on them. Yeah, because I mean, you, you're doing everything you can to crawl and, and, and whatever it takes to get to the quarterback and. and 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 of course, if you go low, this is I guess this rule came in in place with Tom, uh, with Brady. Tom Brady versus yeah. the Chiefs, and, and so they do everything to protect these quarterbacks. So put a red jersey on them, so you know you can't touch them. It's just like like practice. But there was another. Oh, it was the Vaccaro hit yeah. on uh, Stephon Diggs. I thought he clearly hit him in the chest. It was a very forceful hit, violent hit. Well, it's a violent game, and yet they gave him a personal foul on that. Yeah, no, I think he. I don't think he hit him in the chest. I, I think that he came up underneath. His face mask is what it looked well, like hell, to me. You got a helmet on. He's got a helmet on. You put your face mask in his chest. Of course, some of your helmet's going to touch the face mask. Where do you want him to hit it? Yeah, I don't understand why they want the guys to be hit these days. Well, but you can't go launching in the air head first at that point. He that's didn't, the, he went face that's mask the hit first that they want out of the game, into though. Into his chest. He didn't go into his he chest. He went in his chest. Look he at the video. No, I saw he it plenty of times. He did not go face mask to face mask. He it went was up face mask. His well, of course, the crown of your helmet. If your face mask in his chest, the crown of your helmet going to be under his chin. Well, that's the rule, though. Well, that's a bull dookie ass rule. <laughs> well, it's not because it you is. got a bunch of guys walking around wondering where their keys are. Well, I'm one of those damn guys, and he did not use the crown of his helmet. He used he put the face mask as you taught in the guy's chest. You cannot eliminate that hit. I don't, well, they are, and they have. Well, it's bull dookie. Okay, that's, Bacardi, that's great fine. hit. Yeah, it's a good solid hit. Right, sure it was, but it cost them. So it's a good solid hit that showed what didn't cost them a damn thing because they got the he caught the ball, so the ball was spotted right there where he caught it. Yeah, but still, it was a penalty after that. 
I mean, you well, still, how far are you going to move it to the half? It was at the two yard line. All right, but that's one specific instance. I mean, there's another time you keep doing keep that. Doing it what could you're be, doing, Kenny Vaccaro, and you'll keep getting hit. penalties. That was a great hit, and the league needs to change that call. That was bull. For what reason? Because you put your face mask in his damn chest. Where else are you he supposed to put, put it? He didn't put him in his chest. He, he left with the crown of the helmet. He did not leave with the crown of the helmet. I mean, they you said see last what night he put his face mask right in his chest. They led. They said on the broadcast last night, and I agree that that's the exact hit that the NFL was trying to get rid of. It, it is. You can argue it all you want. If that's he put what his face mask on his helmet, that's the hit they're trying to get get away with. He okay. did not put any part of his helmet. He didn't launch into him. He ran he through did the damn tackle. Into him. He didn't leave. He, yeah, well, you, what are you supposed to do, tag him? Supposed um, to go up, run no, through here and stuff under But you're not down. supposed to launch with your helmet you first. You've got to run through the damn ball carrier. He ran through him like you're taught. Run okay. through him. Well, he's going to get a penalty for that every single time. I mean, it's just it's it's spitting into the wind arguing that stuff. Gonna get a penalty every single time. Well, I'm gonna continue to argue. Well, you can, but there's no point. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the, the whole point the, the, to you the, is a point to me. Yeah. For what? What is it gonna do? Because it's bull. It's bull. No, it's not bull. Yes, it is. But if you don't try to get those hits out of the game, then that you can't... hit did not. He wasn't targeting the dude's head. He was targeting his chest, and that's exactly where he hit him. You can't he take the crown in the, the chest. Oh, yeah. He didn't hit him in the chest. He didn't. He went up under. He, I thought he went up under his face mask. And when you launch with the crown of the helmet, that's what's going to happen. You did not launch with the crown. You launch with the crown of your head, but when you lower your head, that's when you you lower your head, and that's the first contact is the crown of the helmet. That he will did be not called do that every single time. It's oh. going to be called every single time. It's against the rules. The other big story last night was Adrian Peterson's return and his role on this Saints offense. And Sean Payton is going to use a bunch of guys. He's always going to use a bunch of guys. That's what he does. He's got package after package after package. You see one wide receiver you never saw before in your life, and then you may never see him again. Then you got running back and tight end combinations. It's just too confusing. I also think that beginning of seasons, you see a lot of offenses sputtering. And then like week three or four, you start to see them get into a groove. So when you've got that many personnel changes, sometimes that can work against you. And Adrian Peterson, I don't know what he expected when he went to the Saints because it's not like Sean Payton has had a history of really featuring a back and and doing, I'm just going to hand the ball off to this guy. And I don't know if he was upset or not, but it looked like he was. And we need to be careful about what people look like they're doing and what they're really doing. Now, if I had to guess, I'm sure that Adrian Peterson wanted a bigger role going back to Minnesota after they moved on from him, and that would have been poetry in motion for the guy if he had a big night. Of course, all of us would in that situation. Now, the Vikings had his back. He shouldn't be angry with them. But even if they left on good terms, you'd still want to go back there and have a good game. So nobody can get on Adrian Peterson for wanting a bigger role in that game. What you can get on him for is if he was yelling at Sean Payton about his role on the sideline in week one. But we don't know if that's the case. And both of them after the game said that it was not if you choose to believe them or not. I, I choose to believe them. Why would Sean Payton lie? He did a battle and he said, Adrian Peterson said, I said, run the ball up there. But that's what he said. And he's fired up in that moment. Of course, he wants to go back and beat his former team. I have no problem with that. Sean Payton threw him a bone. Mark, Mark Ingram is clearly the starter. Sean, Sean Payton threw him through Adrian Peterson's bone, let him start the game. I think he had nine carries for 18 yards and 
first carry was pretty good. Eight or nine yards on that one, not much afterwards. But, yeah, he when he signed on, he knew this was going to be running back by committee. You're not going to be the feature back in this office. You will get your carries. They're going to be limited. It won't be like you, they were when you were a starter at Minnesota. You will not be the feature back in this offense. And you, if you followed the Saints and Sean Payton, since he's been there with the Saints, he's always had a nice cadre of backs. There's been two or three guys that share the load, and that's going to continue for Sean Payton. So I didn't see anything uh, – that was untoward about the, the comments on the sideline. And he about he's telling them, yeah, running up their butt. And, and then everybody's freaking out about it. Oh, Adrian Peters upset at Sean Payton. No, he's not. Yeah, I mean, it was a great story that they created. And he, he might have said something to Sean Payton, like, put me in the game. And if, and if he did, then he did. But uh, it definitely looked worse than what it could have been. And you can't just jump to a conclusion that Adrian Peterson, you can't just, I mean, you, you saw him say something in slow motion and then look towards Sean Payton and everybody just assumed it was something negative. It could have been anything. And it's really not a uh, a thing that's fair to anybody to assume what, what was going on. Uh, and I don't know if Adrian Peterson at all is going to make an impact for this team because of what Sean Payton does and where Adrian Peterson is in his career. I mean, he still could, sure. I mean, the guy's a freak. He's a Hall of Famer. I, I won't put anything past him. But just watching his role last night, uh, he's always struck me, especially now in his career, maybe not early on, but struck me as a guy that you, know, you got to consistently give him the ball for him to get into the, the rhythm of the game. And a lot of running backs will will say that. And plus, he doesn't catch passes out of the backfield. It's never been his forte. So maybe he gets a bunch of goal line carries at some point because I know that Ingram in short yardage situations not always been great. But if Sean Payton's already comparing Alvin Kamara, who was the other back that saw a ton of action last night, to Marshall Falk, like he said, then I don't know what Adrian Peterson's role is going to be well, on Alvin this team. Well, Alvin Kamara is definitely a, th- a three-down back. The guy it was a, a excellent player at Tennessee, transferring from Alabama, going to uh, J.C. for a year, and he did everything for Tennessee. He was a kick returner. He was a third-down back when Jalen Hurd decided he was – or when Hurd was hurt prior to him leaving the program, it was Kamara who stepped in uh, for him. So uh, he, he's a third-down back or a three-down back. They knew that coming. He's very versatile. You can utilize him in the kicking game as well uh, at running back. So uh, Adrian Peterson signs with the say I think he signed prior uh, to the draft. Then they go out and they draft Kamar. Do you see that? Well, anytime you draft someone at your position, you, you understand that your your time and your carries are going to be limited uh, with that particular organization. So here's a guy that is very talented, and why wouldn't they get him in the game as often as possible? But I still think there's a role for Adrian Peterson, and I'm sure they shared that with Adrian Peterson when they signed him. Uh, as well, hey, you're not going to be our feature back, but we can carve out a role for you in this office, and hopefully we can keep you fresh. It's a long season. You know that as a vet in this league, and guys get worn down. So maybe not at the beginning of the season where you see Adrian Peterson take off in this offense. Maybe it's the middle of the season. Maybe it's late in the season where the Adrian Peterson we witnessed throughout his career can surface and, and provide some production for this offense. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that the communication was there, but Adrian Peterson strike me, strikes me as a guy that maybe he could hear that stuff, but then when it's the reality and he's on the sideline, he's not used to that, that's probably going to be uncomfortable for him. Now, he might get used to it as the season goes on and realize what he is and have to adjust, but, I mean, that's got to be tough for, well, Ed, for anybody, yeah. especially when you're playing in the stadium that you played in last year and you're in the place 
with all the fans that were wearing your jersey for a decade and all that adrenaline is running through you and you're sitting on the sideline and just getting a peck here or there. So, I mean, if anybody, I, I, I don't see how you could criticize Adrian Peterson if, in fact, he was frustrated about his role because last night was a unique situation for him. Everybody dreams of that. I mean, how many of these revenge stories do we see in sports? And this was one of those last night that had potential, um, but the Saints have bigger problems in figuring out if they need to keep Adrian Peterson happy or not because that offense looked terrible and that offensive line was not giving Drew Brees the time he needs to do the stuff he could do. That's the, that's the bigger problem, the offensive line. And, and how do they protect Drew Brees and allow him time to get down the field? Adrian Peterson, that was early in the ballgame, that exchange. It's hard for me to believe that you're – that upset that early in the ball game, your first game with this new team, you, you, you're trying to feel your way around this. Of course, the competitive nature that you possess uh, will c- compel you to want to voice your concerns or get in the ball game. But I don't believe that's what he was saying. He knows his role. He understands his role and leave it at that. And those guys, I don't I don't believe Sean Payton to be a liar. He said there's nothing to it. And I'm going to believe it. What do you think about the Peyton Peterson exchange and that Kenny Vaccaro hit? 855-212-4CBS. Lines are open. 855-212-4227. Also coming up next, an Andrew Bogish update. And the fight in Anthony Lynn's come very, very close to a spectacular comeback. We're coming right back. Talk to Gio and Jones now. 855-212-4CBS. Greg, good morning. Brian, good morning. A 21-7 lead to start the fourth quarter was down to 24-21 after a pair of touchdowns off a pair of turnovers. Chargers QB Phillip Rivers knows exactly how the Broncos were feeling. We've been on both sides of those kind of games. When teams start roaring back like that, it's like, uh uh-oh. You know, you could feel them, and uh, we were going pretty good, and I just came up short. After touchdown passes to Keenan Allen and Travis Benjamin, Rivers got the Chargers in position for a tying 44-yard field goal, but Shelby Harris blocked Young Wei Koo's kick with one second left. His Broncos winning 24-21 to finish off week one. Vance Joseph will take being 1-0 as a head coach. It wasn't clean, but it's good to win. It's a hard league. You know, every week is going to be a challenge, so a win's a win. We'll take it. Joseph got two passing touchdowns, one on the ground from Trevor Simeon, but his interception fueled that Charger fourth-quarter rally. No picks, three of these from Sam Bradford in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook to the left of Sam Bradford on third and goal. Takes the snap, looks right, four digs. He goes up to get it, caught, and touchdown! Paul Allen, Vikings, radio Stephon Diggs caught two of Bradford's three touchdown passes in a 29-19 handling of the Saints. Rookie running back Dalvin Cook adding 127 on 22 carries. Adrian Peterson just six carries, 18 yards in his return to Minnesota. The Jaguars traveling back to Jacksonville this morning. They spent two extra nights in Houston because of Hurricane Irma. The NFL has not made a decision on Sunday's home game with Tennessee under center. The Texans will start rookie QB Deshaun Watson Thursday against the Bengals, according to our good buddy Jason LaCanfora. The Colts have not yet named their sort of for Sunday against Arizona, but it will not be Andrew Luck. Two rain delays kept the Giants and Dodgers playing in San Francisco until 2.11 a.m. Pacific. The Giants played better. The 1-1 pitch. Posey hits a high drive down the left field line toward the corner. This one is against the wall, and it takes a hard carom back behind Cody Bellinger. 
Coming to third and rounding third is Fan, and he will score. That's Dave Fleming on Giants Radio. 11 straight losses for the Dodgers. That RBI double from Buster Posey capping off the 8-6 final. 11-0 the final in Cleveland. The Indian win streak is 19 as they thump the Tigers. And the Rockies got by the Diamondbacks 5-4 in a meeting of NL wildcard leaders. Colorado's now four games behind Arizona. And Charles Oakley is expected to soon file a civil suit over his February altercation with MSG Security during a Knicks game. Oakley agreed last month to a plea deal, which got him six months probation and a one-year ban from the Garden. <laughs> Boys. All right, Bogus, thanks. So is it Young Way or Young Ho? Uh, everyone on the radio is saying Young Way. Young Way. I think it's right. spelled the other way, but yeah. pronounced Way. All right. And on the Broncos play-by-play call, he said that he shanked it. Yes. So not a good job there. No. Because it was blocked. No, it was yeah, yeah. really blocked. And uh, a pretty good comeback for the Chargers, but they needed it because they were down big early in this game. And Anthony Lynn said after the game that he was upset with himself that he got away from the run too early when they were down. And if he had stuck with that, then maybe they could have put themselves in a better position to win. But they came all the way back. They were right, right there. And, uh, you know, with five seconds to go, had an opportunity to tie the game with a 44-yard field goal that ends up getting blocked. So uh, this was not a bad night, in my opinion, for the Chargers. I think it was the best night for Trevor Simeon. Uh, that Chargers defense is better than people give it credit yeah. for. And and he was was pretty damn good last night, which is a great sign for Denver. And Jamal Charles has a hold on to the rock. He had the fumbles when he was there at Kansas City along with injury uh, problems. And then he has a big fumble in this ball game, the interception that the Chargers got. That was just an incredible play. The ball's bounding off another player, and, and the Chargers is able to get it. Anthony Lynn, his M.O. coming to this game, or his his uh, philosophy as far as this first game was to rest his starters as much as he could early in this ball game because he didn't feel like they were had gotten enough run during the preseason, which a lot of them don't get, and he didn't think they were ready for four quarters of an intensity field NFL regular season game. So he wanted to rest him, and he was hoping he wouldn't get behind the eight ball by doing that. He, he doesn't have, uh, let's say, he he's not as uh, stoked about his backups as he'd like to be. Uh, but that was the uh, his strategy going in. They got behind the eight ball, yet they were still able to come back. And if not for Vance Joseph calling the timeout, so the initial kick by Young Way Koo, which was good, didn't count, and then the subsequent kick was blocked. So that defense, I think you have a lot to believe in as far as San Diego is concerned. Yeah, I think they're in a decent spot. I mean, I know that all the talk about them has been about the stadium that they're going to be playing in and how they're up in L.A. now and not San Diego. And and quietly, if they stay healthy, they've got a pretty good team and a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And if they're not deep and they run into injuries, yeah, things are going to fall apart like last year, but they can't possibly have that bad of a luck a couple years in a row. And it was really good to see Keenan Allen get a touchdown Mm -hmm. after being out for basically the entire season last year with that ACL injury. So we will see how both of these teams fare in that AFC West, but I think both have a real legit shot of of winning that division. And, And why not, especially when we're talking about week one. The bigger story that I think that came out of this game more than anything, it seems like this morning, was this sideline reporter. And unfortunately, we cannot play the audio of this guy because it's ESPN. We're not allowed to do that. But this is the second time that ESPN has put an ESPN Deportes sideline reporter during a 
broadcast. John Sutcliffe was the first guy. I remember he was the sideline reporter for Steelers 49ers when the power went out at the old candlestick when James Harrison was suspended for that game. I was in Pittsburgh. That's why I remember it vividly. And John Sutcliffe was a sideline reporter there. And when the power goes out, you're hoping the sideline reporter can get some information. He's running around and he's he's just was incoherent most of the time. Um, And now Sergio Dip is the new viral (laughs) sideline reporter. And, And I will... I, I know that he's an ESPN Deportes guy, and I think both Sutcliffe and Dip, English is their second language. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. But what I don't understand, and I give him credit for being out there and doing I couldn't go on a Barcelona uh, soccer broadcast and, and, and speak in Spanish. I couldn't do that. So those, what those guys do, I give them credit. Where I have to criticize it, is the fact that ESPN should not be putting these guys in these spots if they can't communicate properly because they can't. They're not as good as these other sideline reporters that are out there, and it turns into a joke. This Vance Joseph sideline report that he did is now a viral joke, and he handled it great. He did. But just like me going out there and and, and attempting it, or you actually speaks a little bit of Spanish, I mean, there would <laughs> be you. there would be the, all the Spanish people laughing at us, oh, and yeah. it wouldn't be our fault. It'd be the people that put us in that position's fault. And and I know that might sound insensitive, and I do give them credit because they speak more languages than I speak. But it's right. not a situation he should be in. It's just not because he sounds ridiculous. It just doesn't well, sound right. I would hope they gave him a test run. You just don't put someone out there. And, yes, he's been on your Spanish broadcast speaking in his his native language. Uh, and now you, 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 you give him a test run. You, you say, okay, we're going to place you on our second Monday Night Football game speaking English. You, you don't just throw him out there not having seen if he can handle the situation. Do you? Uh, I don't. I it, it sounded like it. Yeah, CBS didn't do that with Tony Romo. You put him out there. You give him eight games uh, leading up to his first regular season game. The same thing should have occurred here. Not necessarily eight games, but you put him in a situation, a uh, game-like situation, and, and see how he handles it. Yeah. You have to kick the tires on things like this. Y- yeah, I suppose. but And maybe that's the experimental place to do it. Because you had Rex Ryan in his first game calling it last night. He was really uncomfortably excited during their open. And I watched the very beginning of the game. Of course, we have to go to sleep and uh, and wake up and be somewhat refreshed in the morning. So I, I did watch his open. I would listen to him in the in the first quarter, and, and he's got a long way to go. He did not have as much of a uh, debut, a good debut as, as Romo did. So maybe Sergio Dip was actually better than Rex Ryan because English <laughs> is Rex Ryan's first leg. Do anything for the squad. <laughs> And I predicted this. I did say this. I was one of the few people that said, I don't know about Rex Ryan being great at this whole thing because he's very good at talking about himself. That's what he's good at. When he's Rex Ryan, the coach, it's funny because he's talking about himself and he's making jokes and he's making big statements and predictions. In that situation, he's got a long way to go. Yeah, first one, and you can practice all you want. Then you get out there and it's live, just like the guys on the field. Uh, once it's live, it's a whole different ball game, and now this is for real, and you've got the person in your ear, and you have to try to treat it just like you treated the, the practice reps you received. But you, it, human nature takes over, and you know it's 
this is bigger than the preseason. This is bigger than uh, those practices we were we were talking about. And and and, and so now. I'm on television. Millions and millions of people are watching me, and you try to stay within yourself, but the anxiety gets the best of you. I just hang on. I mean, <laughs> how do you put Sergio Dip, who looks like he's 15 years old, his last name is Dip, too, on top of it, and think it's going to go any other way? Because yeah. they had some reps with the guy. They thought he could handle it. He got oh, nervous. Oh, man. <laughs> do you ever get nervous when you were the sideline reporter for Pitt? No. I mean, the only time that I ever got nervous, and I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I, I kind of naturally got into that job. It, it came, it came naturally to me. I miss it. I wish I could still do something like that. Um, but the only time I got nervous is when I was afraid I couldn't get the right injury information out because there were trainers that I knew, and they also needed pr- to protect their players. Right. And there were times they were very secretive, and they were leaning on me and the pressure of getting the information on our broadcast when I know that there's people in the stadium listening to the radio broadcast wondering why a star player is out and I can't get that information, mm-hmm. that's when I would get nervous. But anytime they threw it down to me, it was more excitement for the opportunity to do a good job. So, I mean, I'm not on TV. I wasn't on TV, and there was probably like, you know, what, a point. Three eight nine percent of the people listening to the pit broadcast that were watching Monday Night Football last night, so it's a different situation. Yeah. But he was bad. He was flat out bad. It was embarrassing. Now, he responded well. I don't know if you saw. He did like a little peace sign and a smiley emoji and then <laughs> and then tweeted out a picture of how to handle fame in typing into Google. So he did a, he did a nice job, and I'm not, I'm not blaming him at all. I mean, the guy is... He's he, imp- he has to be blamed. He was the one out there talking, and I'm sure they didn't <laughs> just thrust him out to, hey, you're going to be our sideline. I remember my man, my Dick, you my boy, Eric Dickson. <laughs> they gave him the sideline gig, and I, oh, we had so much fun with Dick. <laughs> they went down to Dick. <laughs> Dick said, uh, Ronnie Lott played football. Back to y'all. Oh, <laughs> I mean, man. I was brutal. I was a dick back then. Dick, you, that's my dog. Did you even practice? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, because some guys, they just hand it to them because of their stardom, and they have – they get some reps, but then once again, those lights come on, and it's so easy. <laughs> every time I see Gus Malzahn, every time now, because we had him on the set a couple years ago, and we had a rain delay in our game, so the pregame went longer than it usually does. Yeah, And so he was sitting there with us, and it was like pulling teeth, man, trying to get something out of coach. But every time I see him, we just saw him at SEC Media Days in Birmingham this summer. What's up, baby? He said, exactly. What's up, coach? Uh, he said, get your old line straight, all right? Y'all got y'all at whip, 11 sacks. He always said, he shakes his head, I still can't believe how difficult that is. And you know you've been on that sideline. You know how it is once you get out there and the lights are on. And you can have it in your mind. I'm going to go about it this way. I've practiced hard. I know what to expect. But something happens. Human nature takes yeah, over. I don't know. It's like the only thing I'm good at. So <laughs> that's why I don't feel for the people. Like, it's just there's nothing comes naturally to me other than lunch and doing stuff like this. Those are the two things that come naturally to me. Well, you, you, okay. Well, you need to put that in perspective. Just because yeah. it's natural, natural for you, it's not for others. Yeah. No, I guess. But got the training wheels on for a lot of us. But he's not he's not Gus Malzahn who's going from the coaching. Sergio Dip is not coaching. I know. I understand that, but still, you can practice all you want. Then you get out there and it's live. Something happens. <laughs> At the, the end speaker just, gets tight. <laughs> At the end he just went all in. He goes, And now Vance Joseph's out here having the time of his life. <laughs> it was just <laughs> so bad.
It was so bad. And I, and I went back and watched John Sutcliffe from all those years ago. And John was just making words up. Like, John was just <laughs> pulling stuff out of a hat and just throwing it out there. Words I never heard. All right. Uh, coming up next, Baker Mayfield apologizes, but did he need to? We're coming right back. This is L.A. Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, and you're listening to Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Baker Mayfield, after that huge win against Ohio State on the road, was part of a big celebration at the 50-yard line that included him planting the Oklahoma flag right Boom! Smack dab in the middle of the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was just just dotting the I. That was it. So when I saw it, I said, wow, that's really intense. And he deserves to do that. And that's going to anger some people. Never did I think, though, that he would apologize for it. And that's what he did. So this is Baker Mayfield saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to uh, be disrespectful at all. I mean, we do... We do the flag thing at OU Texas, and so um, that's just something that I got caught up in an emotional win. And, you know, yeah, it should have been something I did in the locker room, so I apologize for doing it in the middle of the field. He said more about it, saying you got caught up in the moment. It was an emotional game. I, I told you guys that, that last week that it was, uh, I knew that it was going to have a lot of implications on the, the playoffs, and so we, that's the way we were prepared. And so it was an emotional game. And so um, after the game, it did not mean for it to be disrespectful towards any Ohio State people at all. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> first of all, of all of, of the uh, of all fan bases to apologize to, that's probably one you shouldn't <laughs> apologize to because they could be crazy. Those Ohio State Buckeyes uh, fans, and I'm not generalizing about all of you, but a lot of you, okay. Uh, and he had no need to apologize. Who are you? What are you apologizing for? Yes, it was emotional. It was a big win. A lot of people didn't give you a shot to win the ball game. I actually picked Oklahoma to win. Uh, but a lot of people are going against you. You're going on the roads. Urban Meyer, he's got a hell of a good football team. And you beat them decisively. You get caught up in it. And, and leading up to the game, what was all the talk about from Oklahoma's side? Watching those guys sing their alma mater on our field, this and this. Now, they didn't go over there and assault the Shetland ponies or anything like that, the, the Sooner schooner. Uh, but – they did have a damn good time there in Norman. And so did, uh, did Baker probably take it a little bit too far by planting a flag? Maybe. But who are you apologizing to? So why? You went in there. You kicked butt. You plant the flag wherever you want. If they don't like it, stop you next time. That's what they do. I, I thought he this was misguided. No need for an apology to anyone. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that he did this on his own, though. I think that someone told him to do this. I don't know if it was Lincoln Riley or somebody, the AD, I don't know who. Oh, the, the, the apology, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah of I, course. There yeah. was some push from the administration to, to do this. I have no idea why they would want him to do it. Yeah, I mean, and, and something like that, when you win like that, is an iconic moment. I mean, it is. like they When they look back on this season, no matter how it goes, now if it falls completely apart, then maybe they're not going to go back and, and think about this game that much because of a lot of bigger problems. But when they look back, I mean, that's going to be a part of the highlight reel. I mean, that might be a part of the highlight reel for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you got to apologize for that. 
That's just that's some wuss stuff. I don't I don't I don't like that. And I, I don't like it either. And it's not his personality either, which annoyed me because I that the guy who planted that flag and the guy who played as well as he did and flying by the seat of his pants and this the entertaining quarter that's him. The guy who's standing up that podium, there's a there's a hand up his butt making him talk like he's yeah, a, I, like there's a ventriloquist what, there. What is up with the administration and the SID there suggesting to him that he needs to apologize? I have no idea why they thought what he did was disrespectful to Ohio State. That's what you do. You get a big win on the road, an iconic program. No one's giving you a shot to win the ball game. You go ballistic. You have a damn good time. So what? Did you see something from JT Barrett on Saturday that makes you think that he's not going to be the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the rest of the year? For no, him? but I did see something from JT Barrett that leads me to believe that he's not comfortable in this offense. And I saw it in the first half versus Indiana. He just didn't look comfortable. Maybe it was because of the defense. Maybe it was because of the amount of pressure Oklahoma was applying uh, to JT Barrett. But he d- still looks out of sort. He looks like he did last year when they were struggling to find balance on the offensive side of the ball. He looks like he did in that semifinal game versus Clemson where they were skunked 31 to nothing. And so the same uh, demeanor is, 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 has reemerged. I, I guess you can't even say it's left. Maybe momentarily for the second half versus Indiana, uh, it looked like they were in sync, but he doesn't look comfortable whatsoever. Yeah, and now the most popular guy – for Ohio State and their fan base is going to be Dwayne Haskins. Always. And the backup quarterback, always. Yeah, it's always and, and this guy, I mean, he's highly touted, a red shirt freshman, um, four-star recruit, and he's he's someone that everybody's going to be wanting to see now because you had, even the, in the first win, the, the team didn't look great, and now after this loss, you're going to think they, they need a savior. It might be a little early for that. So it's in it, any time... This was a significant and a no-doubter win by Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there has to – the pendulum has to swing so far over to the other way with Ohio State (laughs) that they got to make huge changes. When you have two teams that are in the top five playing each other, one of them is going to lose. That doesn't mean that they're terrible or their season is over and you got to change your starting quarterback. But Give Oklahoma credit. The big – Question mark coming into that matchup last weekend was Oklahoma's defense. We didn't know a lot about their defense. I like the corners. Uh, they're tall. They're lanky. Uh, so I thought they could really play well and, and, and force Ohio State to try to lean on the running game a little bit more. But, hell, they put Ohio State in third and long by balling up the run, and Dobbins didn't get anywhere near that 181 he got versus Indiana. And, and, and then they were able to pin their ears back and go after JT Barrett. So how about you question your offensive line? And, and how about you wonder why they weren't able to, to sustain a consistent running game? But there's no question that JT Barrett has not looked comfortable in this offense. Let's go back to the end of Saints-Vikings last night. And the local postgame show down in New Orleans features one of Brian's favorite people. Gotta love him. His <laughs> former coach in New Orleans, Jim Morris Sr., And Jim Morris Sr. is a colorful guy and one that we've seen go off in the past. And he didn't know that he was on the air when he let something slip. And the way it happened is just hilarious. (laughs) I know this too well. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Do we have a credit on this, by the way? Uh, Uh, It's the NBC affiliate, WDSU, there in uh, New Orleans. Thank you very much, Brian. 
And you nailed that one. Man, my God, you were the last person I expected to answer that question. Why? Well, because they're the ones in charge of the audio. I thought you just oh. wanted to laugh at it. So that, was, that was pretty good. Multifaceted co-host. Every now and then. Yeah, give him his money. All right. Here's, here's this whole exchange in this newscast. What they're doing is they're in the news studio. They're tossing to the post-game guys that are outside the stadium. Let's get back out to our crew in Minneapolis. Fletcher, Sharif, and Coach Jim Moore. The later it gets, the less patient Coach gets with Fletcher and Sharif, guys. Scott just said the later it gets, Jim, the less patient you get with us. Is that true? Who said that? Scott. <laughs> Scott, he's full of <laughs> it's okay. It's Sorry okay. about that. Oh, he's full of it. How about that? Yes, he yeah, is full of it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're live. It's okay. It's okay. Um, that's that's live? That was live. No, was that it? was live. That's, let's just move past it. Oh my that's God. okay. That's okay. Let's just move past it. <laughs> let's just move past it. It's okay. It's no problem. Probably going to get a six figure fine from the FCC. <laughs> I mean, I might lose my job and everybody else. It might be a producer who can't feed his kids. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> tell if you missed it because the audio is not great. You know, uh, he says, tell, tell Scott he's a little <laughs> blank. <laughs> tell Scott he's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no idea that he was on the air and it was live. God. Well, I, you I, know I, I wish I had maintained a recording device yeah. way back when. I mean, because this guy, some of the best stuff ever, ever. Yeah, there's just sucked. The second <laughs> half, we sucked. There's just some people that are really good at yes. cursing and using language. I mean, he's just, you're one of them. Jim Moore, you might have learned from him. It's probably the influence. No, my grandma. Oh, okay. She gets all the credit. But so, yes. there's just people that are just really good at cursing. You know, certain comedians that are just, they use it in such a way that, you, and Jim Moore is one of those guys. Couldn't do diddly poo. Yeah, well, <laughs> he censored himself there, but. <laughs> But quite honestly, I don't know if I would have known if I was live in that situation. Right, either. yeah. The way that the guy was like, hey, Scott just said, you know, this. It, w- it wasn't like, all right, hey, thanks, Scott. You know, we're, we're here. And, and, hey, Coach, do you agree with that? You know, I mean, it would. And give Coach an, an IFB so he can hear them back he, in the studio. Yeah. How about that? Well, maybe that's too much. We just want to make sure Coach is comfortable and, and he has uh, the <laughs> yeah. mic. But, yeah, that was a situation where he probably thought, okay, we're done with this segment. And then you, you get a comment from the guys back uh, the, the gentleman back in New Orleans, and so he's thinking he's off air. But yeah. that's classic Jim Moore. He probably did have an IFB until he told the producer to get this blanking <laughs> thing out of my ear. Right? Probably, yeah. That man, you dumbass. I, I love it. Tell Scott he's full of Oh, man. It's, oof. it's funny if you're not the. If it's not directed towards you. Oh, well. A couple times he directed it towards me. I had to set him straight, though. Then listen to your coach now. Come on. You're tripping, dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, no, he got me twice. I, I don't know if it's in that safe haven zone, if it was late enough. It wasn't, though, because the game ended early, and you're talking about New Orleans. It was an hour earlier. I mean, that happened right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's going to be – that's not Ooh. good. That is not good. Oh, right. they can handle it in New Orleans. They expect that from No, coach. but I'm just saying that they're going to be fine. I know. I'm not saying like it's going to ruin the kids. I'm saying how, how tight-butted people are. <laughs> Like at Oklahoma, making your quarterback apologize. Really? Baker, stay strong, baby. Coming up next, hurt running backs and rookie running backs. It's the NFL, Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.